Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a one-time donation or a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, I wanted to talk about our walls and our wounds, and I thought I'd open this episode with a beautiful quote by Victoria Erickson, and she said, boundaries are not walls. They're the beaches others can bask on. Not everyone should swim your oceans. And I think that quote is a beautiful summary, so let's just dive in and begin talking about the differences between walls and boundaries. So I believe that boundaries are a conceptual limit between us and another person. And it's really about knowing where we end and others begin, or knowing what is ours and what is not ours. Boundaries are an effort to maintain relationships in ways that work for us as individuals, and what works for us may not be what someone else wants. But boundaries protect the integrity of us as individuals or groups that we're a part of, and they help us set realistic limits on participation and engagement. So really, boundaries communicate what we want in our relationships. But walls are a little different. Walls are very impersonal. Walls prohibit intimacy, and they come up in moments of anger and conflict and reactivity. And I think it's pretty common to mistake our walls for our boundaries. But I believe that our walls actually serve to block other people from ever knowing the real us. And sometimes they even block us from knowing ourselves well. They might be coping mechanisms that we learned in childhood and we use them to deal with fear or bullying or abuse or neglect or a feeling of being less than or not good enough. And these walls that we put up are really impenetrable. And that's a big difference between walls and boundaries. And these walls prevent us from really connecting with others, even in a safe way. They prevent us from being known. And some of the behaviors that are associated with walls versus boundaries can look like shutting down, acting out, lashing out, maybe giving the silent treatment or making an attempt to dominate someone else or any kind of behavior I may not have listed that we use to keep people away from 
the real us from our hearts, from our core. And I think that when we don't explore this, we can very often confuse our boundaries for our walls. But as I open this episode, I'm really encouraging you to discern for yourself, what are my boundaries and relationships and what are my walls? What is the difference? How can I tell them apart? Now, before we get any further into this conversation, I want to highlight shame because I think that shame really enters the chat when we are talking about our boundaries and our walls. And this is the time to really pause and extract shame from the equation because I think that it can distort our perception. And I invite you to bring yourself back to a position of neutrality when you are engaging in any kind of introspection. So in this setting, even if it's just while you're listening to this episode, I'm going to encourage you to explore with curiosity versus judgment. So on that note, how can we recognize our own walls? What are our hard stops? What interactions, what situations, what dynamics, what language pivots us into reactivity where we feel that we have to shut down or we have to shut a situation down? And which aspects of our personalities or coping mechanisms do these walls call in? What feelings arise in our bodies? What thoughts start running through our heads? What language are we using? Whose voice are we hearing when our walls go up? And I've been thinking about this a lot this week because I actually shared an example with someone the other day. It was kind of surprising that I even said it out loud. But it was about one of my own walls, and that is being seen. So I shared an example of how I could not possibly record this podcast with someone watching me or even being in the same house as me because one of my wounds and my walls is being seen, really being seen. Because for me, being invisible was a superpower growing up. And I know that a lot of people listening can resonate with that. Flying under the radar, having no needs, being silent, being able to walk in and out of a room without anyone noticing. Those were things that helped me to survive. And the consequences for being seen were so extreme and damaging that it helped form that wall around my wounds of not wanting to be seen Even as an adult, you know, even in my career, even in something that I'm really good at. Because this is not limited to being seen in moments of insecurity. Our walls don't discriminate. They lack the ability to compartmentalize. So instead, I feel a strong impulse to be invisible, even and especially When I am doing something that I enjoy, something creative, something in my zone of genius, something that I'm really good at, because I am fearful of it being taken away or having to pay a price for being seen. 
And I share that example from my own experience, not as a request for support or feedback. I am highly resourced in my own life, but I share that as an example for you and an invitation for you to take some time to reflect on your own walls and your own wounds. And I think that conversation I had earlier this week was really interesting because very often our walls and our wounds don't make sense. So someone can look at us and think, you're doing amazing, you sound great, you're in your strength, you're in your zone of genius, like I mentioned. This is you at your best, and we cannot feel that way. And it's not about things making sense to other people. I mean, life would be a lot easier if we all saw ourselves the way other people see us, but it's about how we process it, how we perceive it, how we feel in those moments. And if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that nothing we discuss here is anchored in shame or even in a reflex to fix something. All we're doing here is sitting around this virtual campfire and checking in. Maybe just talking about things that we haven't had the space to even think about or explore within ourselves because it was so normalized. Maybe our walls are normalized in our life and we haven't given much thought to those moments when we shut down or we cut ourselves off from evolving or growing or stepping into our greatness. So here we are limiting ourselves and those limits seem really normal. And with this discussion today, there is absolutely no agenda in talking about our walls and our wounds. There is no time frame that I could set for you or that anyone else could set for you for changing. I always want this podcast to be a space where we walk at our own pace into awareness, acceptance, and action, and doing that in a way that feels really true and safe and comfortable for us. As we're talking about walls, I also talk about limits because I think that those two things are very aligned. And whenever I reach a limit in my own life, I think about taking contrary action. And I mention contrary actions pretty often on this podcast. And I do that because so often the conversations around the parts of our lives or ourselves that we want to evolve come to a screeching halt and we can find ourselves on the precipice of change just wrapped up in confusion about what to do next and it can bring up that feeling of being a deer in headlights you know that fight or flight what do i do now so i do nothing but making a commitment to be willing to be willing to engage in contrary action is a really helpful start. And sometimes it is our resistance to trying something new that shines a light on where we are stuck. So to find ourselves saying, I am not even willing to be willing to do something different in those moments when I feel my walls come up, that highlights for us a blockage, something that we can really take a moment and sit with. And we don't have to fight through it and we don't have to punish ourselves and we don't have to shame ourselves into changing. We can be gracious guests in our own lives, in our own pain, in our own discomfort. 
and we can allow things to rise to the surface. And a contrary action can be different for every single one of us. So it's not about me listing perfectly everything that every one of us experiences. It's about figuring out what does that look like in my life? So I believe that a contrary action is taking a helpful action rather than resorting to habitual or destructive behaviors. And it's a way to break patterns that keep us looping in cycles of feeling stuck and disempowered and discontent, maybe even in a cycle of limiting ourselves. So that self-talk of, I am not good enough, no one likes me, I shouldn't do this, I want to be invisible, I don't want to be seen, and maybe finding a way for us to transform that. And again, it's about alchemizing and transformation instead of shame and shutting down. So identifying for yourself in those moments, what is a safe contrary action that I can take? And it doesn't have to be the one that changes your whole life. I feel that extreme all or nothing thinking is pretty damaging for us. But what if it was about taking a step to the left of something that you do all the time? Maybe approaching yourself with a little more forgiveness maybe approaching other people with more forgiveness, or maybe finding an action that you can take in those moments that gets you out of that looping thinking, something that takes you out of the reactivity, maybe something that allows you to respond to the present moment, the present situation, without a lifetime of that baggage and reactivity charging at someone else or turning inward against yourself. And what does that look like? What would our lives look like if in those moments where our walls used to come up and limit us and box us in, we actually just had a boundary and we had a way of allowing ourselves to be flexible and dynamic and limitless. Earlier I mentioned something about being curious rather than being judgmental. And this is a great place to do that. Getting curious about the story your walls are trying to tell you. Because I'm sure that they began or they took root in a place of self-preservation. In a moment of crisis when you had to come up with a tool and you didn't have any tools. And so building a wall was the safest and most accessible thing for you. And what is the story that they are telling you about yourself, about your self-worth, about the world around you or how the world sees you or what you deserve or what you're going to get or how you're going to fail? What is the story of your walls and what is the story of your wounds? And no one is going to know the story of your walls and your wounds better than you. And it might even take you some time to check in with them and to really figure out what is going on here. I know that a really common one that shows up in my own life, and I hear it very often with other people, is that our insides don't match our outsides. And if anyone else knew that, they wouldn't love us. So I don't want anyone to see that. And I think about that and I think about how common that is. And even if people don't exactly say it that way, very often in conversation, 
that's at the core of the conversation. If you knew me, if you knew what I was really like, if you knew what was going on inside me, you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't want to know me. You would reject me. I would lose part of who I was or I would lose access to connection and community. And I think if it's something that is so common that maybe we should be talking about it instead of running away from it. I always like to close these episodes with something that I've read or heard that really resonated with me. And today I would love to share one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard. And this was shared by Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber. And it was her sermon on the woman at the well, which is one of my favorite stories. And I would like to read you what she said. I've been thinking about the hidden things in me the stuff where I'd rather die than have it come to light, the damage and sin and shame that I can't admit to, and how that stuff is such a powerful force in my life that it's like a propeller. I think I'm not alone. I mean, the wounded parts of me are what keep me in motion because I have to try and make up for them or try and convince myself and everyone else that they aren't there or I have to try and get them healed by the love and attention of other people, even though none of that ever works. But wow, it sure does keep me in motion. I think that if shame could be bottled as an energy source, it could easily replace fossil fuels. And it's weird how many novels we can read and films we can watch where a character's behavior is finally explained by some damage from their past they are trying to make up for. And yet it is so hard to admit this in ourselves. You want to stop trying to quench your thirst with things that will never satisfy? You want this eternal life? Then it starts with the truth, the naked truth of your original wound and your original beauty and every good and bad thing about you. You have heard it said that water finds its lowest point Living water finds your lowest point. It finds your original wound, the thing that you spend so much energy trying to heal through all the insufficient ways. Relationships, religion, success, more graduate degrees, more therapy, working out, trying to get your parents to love you more, being a perfect parent because your parents sucked, There are a million ways we use substitutes for God to try and hide our damage, so much so that our damage becomes the great motivator. I've mentioned this several times before, but theologian James Allison describes faith not as intellectually ascending to a set of theological propositions, but he describes faith as relaxing relaxing in the love and presence of God in the way we relax in the presence of someone we are certain is fond of us. When we are in the presence of someone we are certain is fond of us, we are funnier, we are more spontaneous, we are softer, and we are less defended. If I know for sure someone likes me and loves me, there is no reason to pretend anything. Allison says, faith is relaxing, and I think that this is what happened to the woman at the well. 
I've always seen her water jar as a metaphor for what we think will quench our thirst but never does. And oh my gosh, do I have some water jars that I need to forget about. Things I think will make me whole, hide my wound, make me lovable. I need those jars just to slip from my hands without even caring that they are gone. Until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.